This is where a lapel mic comes in handier than this. Have you ever uh, wanted just to throw a rock at something? Huh? Everybody's scared not to say amen today. You know, in the book of Acts, there's a story about when a belief system was a kind of challenged. And, and this morning, I want to challenge your belief system because what we've talked about in previous weeks is everybody has a belief system, and out of your belief system, you make choices. And out of those choices will come experiences. If you know it or not, it just happens. Out of those experiences, it will confirm most of the time what you believe. See, 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 see? And when people, I found out, when their belief system gets challenged, they want to throw rocks. And, and they want to get into it to the point of saying, you know what, you don't know! I, I, and their emotions get so loud that they want to drown out the voice that is speaking. Now, now watch this. This is where it get, kind of gets a little stepping on toes. It, it, even when the Holy Spirit is speaking and challenging our belief system, there's something about us that we get, we get, we get, I'm dizzy just thinking about it. This week, as I just said, we had a new baby. And, and you look at this little baby and, and you know, it, it's amazing because, you know, some of the animals in, the, in God's kingdom, like the, the deer, you know, they drop and boom, they're ready to run and get away from predators immediately. Not us at the top of the food chain. That little boy couldn't make it very long on his own. And you're looking at this little boy and all that you think that he is and could be, and you begin to go, wow. He, he is like a white board, and people are going to try to write on it all day and all night. They're going to put his, this is who you are. And some of us through our life has had people say, this is who you are. This is who you are. This is who you are. And we built a belief system around that. And any time that that's challenged, we want to, boy, you better, you better back up. I got a rock. And what I found out is when our belief system is challenged, a lot of times what happens is it's something of predictability. And when we feel like we're losing control, there's something about familiarity, too. That This is familiar. This is what's comfortable. This is what's predictable. And did I tell you I got a rock? This morning, just I want to challenge and put a little pressure on our belief system today. Just like the Apostle Saul to Paul turned out. This morning I want you to look, because I want to go through this pretty quickly, but as we talked about last time I spoke, and Gwen did such a great job last week on, 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 on our package, our, our incredible, amazing uh, blessing and, and spiritual package in God that He's given us of who we are. 
But this morning, as we look at this passage in, in the book of Acts, I want you to see something, and, and I want to see it like this, is because as we came out of the prodigal son, and we, we went into the waiting father who looks and longs and expects to give us blessings in our life, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, see, sometimes we look at that, that he's too good. That's, that's too good of God for us. See, that, that puts a little pressure on our belief system. Is God who he says he is, or is it out of based off of our experiences? So, so this morning I want you to look, because the older brother in the prodigal son, as we talked about, was deceived. Father, you never even gave me a goat to have a party with my family. If he would have really walked in who he was in his identity he would have realized that everything that he had, everything that was, all the goats, all the cats, was his. The father had divided it between the two sons, and now his was everything else. But see, he was deceived into thinking that his belief system, again, the FUD, the fear, the uncertainty, and the doubt, someone's coming, and I'm going to walk in fear, and and someone's going to come get what's mine. Now, Now, listen to this. As we hear... Another story of the older brother, but a different character in the Bible. This, this is a passage of scripture that just, wow. In, in Acts, then Acts are the acts of the new church, the acts of the disciples, the people that are coming after Jesus and what they did, the new church. In, in Acts chapter 7, there's a character called Stephen, and he, he's a disciple of Jesus, and he begins to preach, and, and, and in chapter 8, he continues to go, and, and it says this in Acts chapter 7, verse 57. Some of you have cameras. You might want to uh, take notes or take pictures of the screen so that you'll recall this later. But in Acts chapter 7, verse 57, it says, he, after Stephen is talking, it says, he says, why are you so stubborn? And why will you not listen to the Holy Spirit in which it causes their belief system to be challenged to the point that did, can pick up one of them stones right there? Here's what happens. They say, at this they covered their ear. Can you believe these are adults? Come on. In the chilling church, this is an adult service. He's preaching at the adult service. And it says, at this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voice. They all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Now here's the part I want you to see. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man, man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The the Bible says that they had stoned Stephen. He died and they buried him. Saul is there giving approval to the stoning of a disciple because of his belief system is that guy ought to die. Now, Now it's an extreme. It's not I disagree with him, but he needs to be rid or we need to be rid of him and his life in this world. How's your belief system going today? In chapter 8, this is just the next verse into chapter 8. 
it says this, that that day the church begins to be persecuted and the disciples. And then in verse 3 it says, but Saul began to destroy the church. How many people know that he has a belief system and it's pretty strong against the things of God or the things against Jesus? But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. That's pretty dramatic, huh? Not only should they not speak, but now they shouldn't be in freedom. Let's put them in prison. The guy's got a belief system that's pretty adamant. He knows in his mind what is right, and there is no wrong in doing this. Why? I was taught with Galileo and, and all the you know all these Pharisees, and now who I am. This is right. But something happens, and it's called Acts chapter nine. And talking about a paradigm shift, here he is. Kill them Christians are no good. Kick it. They're they're damp. Spit on them. Kick them. Throw another rock. He's dead. Go ahead, throw another rock. I mean, come on. They're, they're, he, they, ugh, I hate them. Have you ever believed something so strong and then found out you were wrong? And, and especially in a group of people. <laughs> what I hate is arguing with Gwen that she's wrong and she's proved, she, she or somebody proves her right. Sorry, Gwen, I was, I was, I was, I was, that's what my four children are for. Dad, you were wrong, you were wrong, Dad, you were wrong. Dad, I know. In Acts chapter 9, it says, Meanwhile, Saul, at the church is being prosecuted, he's bringing them to prison, or dragging them to prison. In Acts chapter 9, listen, he goes this far. He says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. He goes on his own request. He's going to go and say, Hey, can I go get those Christians? Would you write me some letters? I'll do this for you because my belief system is so strong against Jesus and the church and Christians. I'll, I'll go do it for you. It says, So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which is Christians, but they're just not called Christian yet, belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So he's going to Damascus to bring the Christians back to Jerusalem and throwing them into prison. As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why? I want, I want to ask you today that question, why? Now I'm going to say, why do you believe the way that you believe? And I'm not just talking about why you believe in Jesus Christ, but how much do you believe in Jesus Christ and what he can do and what he says about you in your life. So this morning I want you to see this. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Do you think if anybody asked him other than this bright light that he would have a reason why he's persecuting Jesus? Sure he would. 
because pretty much summed up because I don't think it's right. I think they're a cult. I think they're wrong. Why, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Now, the Bible puts a capital L for Lord, which doesn't mean little L, just like a, a little Lord. But, I mean, he's calling him Lord. Who are you? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now, can you imagine? That, that's more stronger than someone saying you're wrong. You're, you're seeing a bright light and hearing a voice. I'm Jesus. Oops. <laughs> I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting, you replied. Now get up. This is Jesus. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Do you think he said, no, I don't think I will. No, he's, let's go. Now watch this. He says, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. They have witnesses. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. The guy was blind. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. Listen to that. For how many days? Three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. This is a change that's going on in his life. It says, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias... Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. I love that, Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias, that's you, Ananias, come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Now look at verse 13. This is great. This, this shows you how the Bible is real, because this is what you would do and I would do if we got a vision, even from God, we'd go, Yes, John, I got a question. Here's what he says. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all, all, all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Now listen to that. Bad news travels fast, right? It's only been three days since he's on his way to, from Jerusalem to Damascus. And Ananias knows about it. Today, again, we're in the series entitled, Who Does the Father Say That I Am? But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. Who, who, who is he? This man is my chosen. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. You be a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. We're glad that God looked after us in sending someone to us. This is the start. I will show him also how much he will have to suffer for my name. Are you guys hearing this? Because what if the word came that somebody's going to come tell you how much you're going to have to suffer? What? It says, Then Ananias went to the house and entered in, into it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again. Listen to this. Don't leave this part out. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Stephen was telling the people, why are you so stubborn that you will not hear the Holy Spirit? Oh, that got him mad. Paul is going to be baptized. He's going to be converted. He's going to give his heart to God as you and I have a chance. But then it says to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's going to begin having the ability to hear the Holy Spirit in directing his belief system. The title of my message today is The Eight Ounce Saul of Tarsus. He thought he was all this. And he realizes he's not that much capacity. He doesn't have that much. Go tell him that he's going to say again, but he's going to then be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Do you remember the song? He comes in like a light and burns up all the, the lies. The truth is spoken. The scales are on the ground. Chains are broken. This, this is what's happening in his life. There's a transformation that's happening a little faster than in your and my life. Immediately, something like skills fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. So Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Several days. Let's say it's 30 days. Let's go 60 days. We don't know. Several days. But here's the part that's amazing. Listen to this. It says, at once he began to preach in the synagogue. He didn't preach in the nursing homes, which is praise God for preachers in the nursing homes. He didn't preach on the street court. He went right into the synagogue. You think his belief system's changed a little bit? Watch this. He, he goes into the synagogues and people are going... Isn't that the guy that was so wreaking havoc on the church? Now he's changed his mind to the point that he's preaching. And it even goes, it says, Yet Saul grew more powerful and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. Proving. So these Jews that are going, here's our buddy. He is our champion, Saul, you know. I was saying, what? He's on that side? Now let me just fast forward. It says that the Jews are so mad at him, their belief system is challenged so much, what they try to do? Give me a rock. Give, 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 give me a rock. I know, give me a rock. And it says that the disciples rescue Saul by putting him in a basket and letting him down the wall so he can escape. That's how much they hate their belief system being challenged. Now, I want to just kind of get to where I'm going, but if you fast forward all through the book of Acts and all the wonderful things that Paul experienced and all the miracles and all the mm, powerful things, you get to Acts chapter 22. 
And now, now here's the scene. Paul is in a group of people and, and he begins to preach. They're Jews. And he begins to almost verbatim talk about what happened on the Damascus Road. He even says he was there at Stephen's death and all of a sudden then he, he goes to Damascus. I mean, it, it's almost like what? But he's repeating it, and he says, you know, I saw this light, the guy's with me, and all the, And he, he tells these Jews all this story, but watch this. He gets to the end of it, and he says, Then the Lord said, Go far from here and preach to the Gentiles. Give me a rock. Do you know it says that the adult people, the Jewish people that are there, get so mad <clears throat> that it says that, that not only are they ready to stone him, but they are starting to pull their hair. They're flinging dirt up in the air. They're yelling at the top of their voice, rid, him, rid us of him. What is it? This belief system of ours is so comfortable. You, you can t talk about, you know, the cowboys and, and, the, and, and politics. I don't like politics. Go ahead and talk about politics and all that. But don't talk about my BS. Come on now. Some of you won't hear anything I say after this because of that right there. Paul, Saul becomes Paul. Now remember that Saul wasn't fully persuaded that he that began a good work could bring it into completion, but Paul was. Abram was not convinced that he that started a good work, but Abraham, after the transformation, was convinced that he who had begun a good work, will bring it to completion. And, and here's this story, because through all the writings of Paul, he, here he, he gets to the church at Philippi. And I love this, because I wish all, and who knows how many of the early believers got to hear this, but here's a guy that has a paradigm that this is all I can believe. This is who God is, and he doesn't even see Jesus as the Messiah. And then you get to the Philippian, the book of Philippians in chapter 3, and he kind of lets down his guard to say, Oops. I, I forfeited a lot of stuff in my life that I could have had earlier. See, in, in my past, I, I got all caught up in this stuff. And, and, and when I got to this point where I realized that my belief system was out of whack and I didn't receive all that Jesus had for me, In Philippians chapter 3, and if you look at about verse 3, and it just talks about that there's people that put their confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence. See, see there, there's people out there, that, and even those people that, they're good people. But, but see, they've been spoken to by somebody that said, the reason why you are who you are is this. And they took on that identity, and this is my belief system, and th this is who I and, and we do the same thing if we're not careful. 
He says, if there's anybody that could put confidence in their flesh, it's me. And then he goes, okay, I'll, I'll lay my trump card to all of you people that are reading. He says, for me, listen to the, these. These are his qualifications. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in their flesh, I am more. He says, I'm circumcised. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Then he goes like this, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In regard to the law, I was a Pharisee. That's the top of the people of Israel, they thought, the, the leaders. Then he goes another step and he says, as for my zeal or for my passion, persecuting the church. I just didn't talk about the church being wrong. I went after it violently. Then he says this, as for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. Can you imagine everybody reading that? They go, well, you know, I, I was, no, I wasn't all that. But watch this, as he turns the corner and people that are going, wow, you had all that? You did all that? You were the top of the top. In your own idea, in the world's idea, you were climbing the ladder and you had reached the top to find it was leaning against the wrong wall. He says, whatever was gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. All that I had done, all that I've worked with. Man, I, I got up early in the morning and I worked until I, you know, sweating tears. He says, I, I count it all lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. Amen. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. Some, some say garbage. Some say rubbish. Some say manure. That I'm, I consider all that stuff that I, I was striving for. I was putting what? My confidence in my flesh. I considered all loss that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. See, that's again, doing all the do's in the Bible. You know, I, I got, there, man, I tell you what, there's a lot of don'ts because I, I'm a donor. I just don't do right. That's what he was saying. I was doing all the things, working my own salvation out. Not, not with fear and trembling, not because of the word of God, but I was doing it that I thought I was a good believer of God. <laughs> now remember, we're in the series of who does the Father say that I am. Paul is coming to grips with, that's not who the Father says that I am. But I was doing the wrong thing. He says, not the righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. you got to hear that. And some of you will get it in weeks to come. But Paul is saying this. If you're not getting it now, just hold with me. On the basis of faith in Christ. Not on what I can do. Not if I can get up early enough or I went to bed too early. I took a nap and I should have been out there just chopping my legs. 
I should have been telling more people about Jesus every minute of the day. I'm nothing. I didn't line up. He says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. Now, now watch this. In verse 12 it says, Not that I've already attained, obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So what, does, what, is, what is Jesus doing? He's whispering in my ear that I'm fearless. Do this. Paul is saying, man, I got a lot of stuff that I was working on in my own, climbing the ladder in my own flesh, doing the things I thought was right, resting in my own works. Do, do you understand that we have a problem here, a lot of us, as we come from a past that we have to fight the prodigal son syndrome, you know, that we've got too much of an ugly past that God will never forgive us. But then some of us have the older brother syndrome, not that we're trying to say anything negative about the older brother, this is not, but just a deception that we have done all the right things when really in reality we're nothing but eight ounces of capacity. We, we, we haven't received all that God has for us. So we're not getting the results of all that God has for us. If we always do what we've always done, we're always going to get what we've always got. It's not in what you don't know that will hurt you. It's what you know for sure that's just not right. Paul said, I am confident in my own flesh, and he found out it wasn't right. He says, I consider all that stuff as garbage. Here's what I consider worth. is just knowing God. Because I know the, the God way of doing things, the, the closer I can get to God, the more knowledge and the more, more John Miller's doing the things of God, the more. That, that's, the, that's the whole basis of what God did for us in dying on the cross to give us liberty and freedom in our life. To do exceedingly abundantly above all we think or ask. That, that's, that's too good. Sorry, Pastor, I'm only eight ounces. I can't receive all that goodness. That's not for me. Let me, let me kind of wrap that up in Philippians chapter 3. He says, then join together in following my example. There, there, he goes on to say, there's many enemies of the cross. What's kind of funny is Paul was an enemy of the cross. And he says their end is destruction. They have their mind on their stomachs. In other words, their earthly desires. Listen, God, I'm not talking about a house or a car or anything like that. Some people go to that. And, and therefore, they, their belief system says, well, he, he's, he's talking about that prosperity stuff. He's just trying to talk that good stuff that, you know, that, 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 what, what, he's trying to be like God in saying that stuff. And I want to ask, well, who are the people that don't believe that and who are their children of when they're saying what God didn't say? Paul is saying, that's what I was doing. I was living in a way that I was an enemy of the cross. And my destiny would have been destruction, working out my own glory. 
which really described the shame that I feel. He gets to that point until he hears the father say, you're all that I said you are. You're mine. Remember what he said? You're my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles, their kings, and to the people of Israel. See, there's something about the fear of losing control, and especially when it comes to our belief system. It's, again, it's predictable. It's familiar. And when our belief system is challenged, there's a tendency for us to act out. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Is I want you to put pressure on your belief system. Because in the next couple of weeks, when we understand what was talked about today in a deeper way, what, what I'm saying is instead of saying, I, I just I can just I can swim in the pool of salvation. I, I understand that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and as long as I step into that and believe by faith that he did that. I'll go to heaven. Your pastor is not saying that's bad. That is the most important thing, but it's not the only thing that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for us for. And the reason why I think a lot of our friends and family that know that we're Christians and they're not Christians aren't coming into the faith is because they don't see us exhibiting what Jesus did for us. So so during this time, and we just went through one of the biggest challenges of all of our lives in in that COVID season. Why are we going to church if we don't step up in times like this and go, it's going to be okay. Fun. 
flood is going to happen all through our lives. But we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. We have to be equipped with the word of God, not only in our hand. We go, yeah, I read that one. No, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. In weeks to come, let me tell you, why do I go to church? This is the reason. Let me tell you. It's kind of like a spaceship in space heading for the moon, Mars, pick your destination. And all of a sudden, there's meteorites hitting the sides of the ship trying to get it off course. You, you come. You're in the Word of God. You're a disciplined self-feeder of the Word of God so that you don't get off track. Pastor, I'm depressed. Are you in the Word of God? No, I'm not in the Word of God. Okay, get back in the Word of God. God's grace isn't going to say, well, you no good. You're out. No. Just get back in. Begin to see this. Begin to see the word of God as a bag of seeds. Listen, if, if somebody said, I've planted a garden. What do you plant? I plant one wheat seed out in my garden. You can't even make a pancake out of one seed. Come on. Let, let's invest into the Word of God. Put it into your life. Plant some seed and watch what God will do through your life. We're, we're, we're close to July 4th, so use that as a landmark. You're surrounded to where you will be six months, a year. If you were writing the Bible, you'd be re writing what Paul said. I consider all that stuff that I thought was so important is nothing but a bunch of garbage compared to knowing God. Hallelujah. I, I, I just, I'm excited. I, I would like Lisa to come back. See, the reason why we sing is to our mouth says it in our ears, hear it. See, see, what happens is when you're singing, everybody else is singing. Can you imagine if I said, okay, at this point, I would just like, I'm going to make a joke. Sherry Davis and Betty Siebold and Homer to stand, they're going to sing. They'd be like, no, I'm not. But there's something, he said, I sing so low, so low nobody can hear me. But even if you're singing loud enough that your ear hears it, you realize that people are speaking into your ear all week. Pastor, I feel good coming to church. Why? Because you have a confession of faith coming out of your mouth that your ear is hearing even if you're singing. If you're standing next to your wife or you don't even sing, just do this. Kind of turn a little bit and sing louder over here. She can't hear you. But make sure you hear that he is faithful. That, that when we're walking in our belief systems challenge about who Jesus says he is and who he says we are, that's our confidence. We can rest that his promises to our life is yes. Well, what about this one? Yes. Well, what, what about this one? Yes. Can, can I get a promotion at work? I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can. Yes. Yes, you can. I, I got a bad report from the doctor. By his stripes, we are healed. Is that promise? Yes. Yes. 